This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. A passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. You're listening to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA legends, pros, and top instructors come to share their stories, insights, and tips. Now, back to you, Chris. All right, now back with me and making his uh, actually 12th appearance here on on, uh, Next on the Tee is my good friend Eric Johnson. Let me remind you about Eric's background. Played his college golf and was a four-year letterman at Mississippi State from 1992 to 1995. Helped them win back-to-back Kroger intercollegiate titles in 94 and 95. Golf Magazine has named Eric a top 100 instructor every year since 2011. And he was also recognized by Golf Digest as a top 40 under 40 teacher. He's a three-time Tri-State PGA Teacher of the Year, a two-time Horton Smith Award winner for his contributions to education. He's played out on the Canadian Tour the Sunshine Tour, and the Golden Bear Tour. Eric was the director of instruction at Oakmont Country Club for many years, and he is now the director of instruction over at Nemecolin Woodlands Resort, which looks like an absolutely fantastic place up in Farmington, Pennsylvania, which is a little southeast of Pittsburgh near the West Virginia border. And not only is Eric one of my favorite guests, he is really one of my favorite people on the planet, and I'm honored he's back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, how are you, my friend? Hey, Chris, uh, thank you very much. Uh, again, you're the most prepared and most enjoyable host that I've ever talked to in the game and, and on these shows. And so thank you for that wonderful introduction. I, I really appreciate it, buddy. Thank you. Absolutely, Eric. So, Eric, you know, let's talk a little bit tonight about Tiger Woods and uh, winning for the first time in five years, something that many of us <clears throat> thought would never happen again. So your thoughts on what you saw from Tiger over the weekend, and does this make him the man to beat now? heading into 2019? Well, you know, I mean, after 14 surgeries, all the, you know, I mean, we can say it publicly, there's public embarrassment, there was the DUI, there was, there was the yips, there was a ton of things to overcome there, and to think that he has done that and overcome such great adversity, uh, my hat's off to him. Um, I've said for a long time, I wasn't sure that he would win again. Because I never thought the, you know, the so-called uh, quote-unquote comebacks were real comebacks. They didn't look like they were comebacks. They looked like he was like dabbling and he was gonna go out and play a little bit. And and but this one looks totally different. I mean, he looks healthy. His golf swing looks great. Um, now, being an instructor, um, that's a that's an interesting one for me because personally. I think that he listened to a lot of really smart guys uh, that didn't let him free up and play golf. And now I think with the void of the instruction and the over-instruction, so to speak, uh, I think he's getting back to his inner golf DNA. I I really do. I mean, I think that at the end of the day, we all, you know, if you look at our swings from when we were a kid to now, I mean, they don't really change that much. I mean, they change a little bit, but instinctually there's something in all of us and when you take a tiger that you know when we think back of the masters uh when he won the first time i mean and oh you know i mean he, he moved off the ball a lot 
and then he was taught well in 97 we you know and then he went through you know the Harmon years and where I thought he was just unbeatable and then went to Haney and then went to you know Sean Foley and Chris Como and and I think they got him a little more centered and I don't think they gave him enough time uh to get back to the ball and uh you you can't take that out of uh out of a great player like that so um what he did there was unbelievable um sustainable i don't know i mean he has never ceased to amaze me yet i never seem to bet against him because he does stuff like he did you know at the tour championship unbelievable performance so eric i don't know if you saw the video that was put out on twitter today by the pga of america but they asked him it's a video of him asked him who should be on the mount rushmore of golf and he said sneed <laughs> jones nicholas and me is he right? <laughs> oh my, uh, Mr. Humble Pie, there. Um, <laughs> I wow. You know, I guess if I had to rank it, um, maybe from a historical perspective, I might say Sneed, Nicholas, Jones, Palmer. Uh, but you know, maybe we'll be adding more to Mount Rushmore. You know, maybe Trump can get his name up there too. I don't know. Or safe. I don't know. Make America great again. I don't know. Uh, sorry about that. Um, but I, I, you know, I mean, 80 wins, 14 majors. He probably has a pretty good, you know, I, I'm going to go with it. I, I think he should be up there. I really do. I, um, uh, I'm going with him. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I would Maybe certainly not argue that. Maybe that's the most humble thing he's ever said, but, you know, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, would not, I wouldn't argue Tiger is the one that wouldn't be up there. And, and again, I, you know, I, I'm a huge Sam Snead fan. I love, you know, all the things that he achieved over the course of his career, the 82 wins, seven majors, uh, and the longevity that he had. Still competing in top, you know, top tens in PJs right. in his 60s. That's how great he was. But, you know, I might yeah probably the greatest international player of all time and 170 plus wins and nine majors. I, I might go Gary player there, but anyway, curious also to get your thought, Eric, you know, I thought we were in for one of the duels of the ages, or at least it could have been on Sunday with, with Tiger and Rory being in the final group of the tour championship, but Rory goes out and he bogeys four, five, eight, he doubles seven and, you know, really was never a factor. Rose never really mounted a charge. So, your thoughts when you when you look at those two guys and now you're now you're kind of going back in time to, to the great Tiger of years ago, certainly five years ago at minimum. Is is Tiger going to be a guy that sort of makes these guys melt yet again? It, again, you, now you got the young guns, right? You got the you know Justin Thomases and the Jordan Spieths and the Ricky Fowlers and all those guys who never you sort of half wish that they had an opportunity to play against Tiger. And again, careful what you wish for. But is, it, yeah. is this going to be a Tiger where the crowd and his play starts to make guys melt again? Well, I mean, you sure saw it uh, on Sunday. I mean, I couldn't believe Justin Rose and Rory McIlroy. Now, um, Rory McIlroy might be a little bit more understandable than Justin Rose. I mean, uh, but again, when you look back at the back in the days in 2000 and when he won eight, nine times and, and he was just destroying field and – I mean, he he just, I mean, really destroyed a lot of egos and psyches. You know, I mean, like what he did to Phil and Ernie Els and Steve Stricker and all those guys that played with him. Um, you know, and you look back at the, the, the groups that played with him, no one really ever played very good. 
And you would think that deep down in, you'd be like, man, I want to show this guy that I can do it. But for whatever reason, it seemed like everybody just like choked it away. And I hate to use that word, but they just did not come up with their A game. And, um, you know, Justin Rose, I mean, look at his career that he's had, you know, was world number one and, and the way he was playing and then to flounder and Rory, I mean, four or five over and that makes the birdie on the last hole. But, you know, I mean, it was, uh, it was, it was what we used to watch. And I don't think these young guys quite understand what they ask for. I mean, when they say, Oh, I want Tiger. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, well, you just got him and I don't think anybody liked it other than Tiger and all the fans, you know, I mean, um, uh, so I, 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 again, I just, I think with all the surgeries, we just don't know. We don't know how his body's going to react. We don't know, you know, there's a lot of questions out there, but man, that was some performance. Now I will say this too. Um, Tiger seems to not be able to close the way he used to. I mean, if you look back at the British Open, uh, he stuffed it in there like five, six feet on the last hole and misses it. And, uh, Francesco Molinari drains it from like exactly the same spot. And that's the stuff that Tiger would have never done in the past. And you saw a little bit of that coming down the stretch. You made a couple bogeys and, you know, made an incredible up and down on, on 17, uh, which basically scared him the win. No one had bogeyed the 18th hole the whole day. Uh, so, you know, I mean, let alone to make a double. Um, so you knew he was probably going to win then, but. You know, he did kind of flounder coming in a little bit, and I just think that the uh, younger Tiger might not have done some of that. But you know what? Hey, you got to win, and wins are hard to get. And, you know, when you think wins are hard to get and he's got 80 and 14 majors, that's some quite impressive career. Maybe Mount Rushmore worthy. Maybe it probably is. So, Eric, let's, let's, you know, extrapolate that a little bit forward and talk about the Ryder Cup. Because when you look yeah. at Tiger's record in the Ryder Cup, 4-1-1 one, and one in singles, but 9-16-1 in foursomes and four ball. Why do you think yep. his partners seem to struggle so much when they're paired with him? Well, I think there's a couple things there, Chris. I, I really honestly think that he was such a introvert and never let anyone in a circle before that I don't think the guys knew how to play with him. Like, they they didn't know if he was rooting for him or not. And, I mean, he's got that killer instinct in him. And, quite frankly, that's what I think most of that was. I think they were, like, maybe a little intimidated to play with him and a little bit intimidated, like, am I good enough to play with this guy? And and then we saw the, you know, when Hal Sutton put Tiger and, and Phil out and, you know, I mean, it was just a debacle. I mean, absolute debacle. And uh, because they didn't like each other. And I think that's why you look at the Seve and Olathable pairing. I mean, they're 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 countrymen. They love each other to death. They they will do they will kill for the other guy, you know. And I I think that was missing a little bit from from Tiger. Um, maybe he thought it was a little bit exhibitionish. I don't know. I think that might have been a statement that maybe he'd want to take back. Um, but. I just don't think he was friends enough with some of the guys he was playing with. You know, you look at the successful pairings, and they're all good. They're kind of good pals, you know, and and they kind of know each other's game. And I know when I'm playing in team events, I pick a guy that, like, he knows I'm going to hit it all over the place, and I'm going to make some putts, and I'm going to make birdies, and I'm going to make 
bogeys and you know just hang in there with me and if you give me long enough we're gonna we're gonna win you know but uh, uh you know but i i just honestly think that maybe he wasn't friendly enough with the guys and maybe that's why his you know combination pairings weren't weren't that weren't that special you know so if you were captain furick who would you pair with him um bryson dechambeau i think those two really? have a little uh yeah i think there's I think those two have played a lot of practice rounds together. I don't know what the whole niche is there. I mean, you saw Tiger looking at the putting thing with Bryson the other day, but they played a lot of parent. They, you know, they play a lot together. Um, I think Phil Mickelson. Um, I think those two have a great relationship or a much better relationship now. Uh, I'm not sure I'd put them together, uh, but I think the golf world would maybe like to see it, but I don't think that that's going to happen. Um, I'd love to see uh, Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka. I think they would just flog people. I think it would be not even <laughs> close. Um, I think that, you know, when you look at – and you know what? Phil's been pretty sneaky about picking really, really good partners who he wants to play with. If you look at over the past, I mean, like he takes Ricky Fowler. Well, God almighty, I mean, if there's one kid that's ready for that stage, it's Ricky Fowler. And, yeah, he's young, whatever, but – you know they won, they won a lot of matches, you know, and uh, I think it's uh, interesting to see the, uh, you know, I think it would be interesting to see Ricky and 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 Jordan Spieth, uh, or maybe like a Justin Thomas and a Jordan Spieth, you know, good friends. Mm-hmm. Now, when you start looking at the list, though, when you look at like Team USA, who's playing good and who isn't. You know, I mean, you go down the list. I mean, Kepka is playing great. Dustin Johnson, great. Justin Thomas, great. Patrick Reed, eh, you know, fair. You know, Bubba Watson, I don't know where he's been. Jordan Spieth, don't know where he's been. Ricky Fowler's been playing good. Webb Simpson's been playing good. Phil is the ultimate mystery. I mean, he hasn't played good for a while. I mean, really, when we look at it. Um, but you know what? Look what he did. He wasn't playing good coming into the last Ryder Cup, and he shot 63 in the final round against um, – who was it? Or uh, um, who was it? Sergio. And uh, and then you look at you know Tiger's playing awesome. I mean he's gonna he's gonna be a factor. Bryson DeChambeau is playing great, and Tony Finau he's playing great. Now if you look at the European team, Justin Rose playing great, Rory McIlroy, I'd say good. I know I'm not gonna say great. Francesco Molinari great. Tommy Fleetwood's playing great. John Rahm's playing great. Alex Norris playing good. Uh, Terrell Haddon's playing good. Paul Casey not so much. Hendrick Stenson, where the heck has he been? Ian Polder, I, you know, I mean, yeah, he had some success this year, but that's a little bit of a question mark. Sergio has been a serious question mark, and Thurborg Olsen has been a question mark for me. So when I look at it, I think the, Euro, I think the United States of America, if we can pay, pair them correctly, I think we trounce them. Uh, that being said, you know, I'm sure we'll see, you know, uh, Sergio and Rom together, put the Spaniards together, and and, you know, uh, Stenson and Polder, you know, we'll, we'll probably see some of that stuff. And uh, But it'll be interesting to see the pairings and, and how – boy, I'd love some dream pairings, though, too. Could you imagine <laughs> – could you imagine Tiger Polder or DJ Justin Rose, <laughs> Phil and Garcia again, Reed and Rory, you know, Kepka, Molinari, like the major champion guys? I mean, if I had to do this and I was a TV guy, I'd say, guys, these are the five I want. Period. <laughs> These have to be played because everyone wants to watch it. The, ra- the needle will go through the roof. Oh. <laughs> so, but to that end, Eric, 
Right, based on what we just saw on Sunday, if you're Furyk, would you match Tiger up against Rory because you saw how, how Rory melted? Do you figure you take that away, or do you go back to the Patrick Reed-Rory one because it was such great drama two years ago? Man, it was such an epic duel last, you know, last time. I mean, I think the world won. I bet you Rory, I bet you deep down Rory's like, please give me this kid again because there's no way he can do that again. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know, Patrick Reed's been playing. I'd say he's been playing good. I'd say fair. I don't think he's been playing great. You know, I, I would love to, I just personally, I'd love to see Tiger and Polder because I just love to see someone get right back up in his face and say, Oh, really? <laughs> Is that what you want? Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I would really love, I would personally love to see that. And then if he didn't beat him on the golf course, we'd have like a cage match afterwards, you know, and have a <laughs> re- WrestleMania or something. But, and, and we know Tiger would win that. But, uh, so I'm sorry, Chris, I went off there, but, but I'd love to see it. I, and I, but I think, I think whoever he kind of plays against, especially in the singles, will probably, eh, you know, maybe tail off a little bit. That would be my guess. So something else you mentioned a moment ago, Eric, is, is should we have any concern on the U.S. side when you see, you know, Phil and Bubba, Patrick Reed, you were just talking about, oh. even Brooks Kepka, all finished at the bottom of the leaderboard at the Tour Championship. But goodness knows. Phil and Bubba were a combined 23 over par. I'm hoping they were working on different shots because they were so far out of it that they were just practicing for, for this event. But any concern about those guys coming into this thing, having finished at the, you know, in the last four spots for championship? I have no concern about Kepka. Um, I honestly, my, the biggest concern I would have would be Bubba. I mean, we, you know, I mean, he's just, um, uh, He's just hard to figure out. I mean, you know, he'll play great and then you don't hear from him for months. And, and, uh, you know, I mean, when you watch his putting, it looks really, really nervy. And, uh, so I don't know. I mean, that's what Phil has the most flair for dramatics of anybody I think I've ever seen in my life. I don't worry about him. I think the bigger the stage, the bigger he plays, the bigger he is and the more he just shows up. Um, you know, I think, you know, didn't play a good first round and I think he, you know, maybe phoned it in a little bit, like just, you know, just, and I hope he's out there getting reps and doing whatever, but, and I hope he finds it, but I really think he will. I mean, uh, you know, you look at Jordan Spieth, um, he's a, he's a hair of a question mark for me. And, and I'll tell you why, uh, when you look at the year he had a couple of years ago and, and he really hasn't played that great this year, and I think we'd all agree with that compared to the last couple of years. And I think that he had like the Tiger Woods moment with, um, you know, with with Dustin Johnson when they're playing on a playoff, and Rory had to go up the middle. DJ knocked it over that lake and had a sandwich, and Rory had a six iron, and the game's over. You know, and I think he realized that. And when you watch his putting right now. His putting is not that good, and we would all—I think we'd all agree with that. His putting is not where it needs to be, and I think that's because, you know, from a personal standpoint, I think he feels like he has to putt great because he can outball strike uh, Kepka or Johnson, uh, maybe a Justin Thomas for that matter. Uh, you know, he just can't out—he can't outball strike him. Uh, you know, and when you see somebody that's that dominant and not afraid to hit at 330 over a lake and they cut off this and you got to go that way. 
that's a little bit of a humble pie sensation there. That's not, it's a little unnerving. And I personally think that's what's happened to him a little bit. So, you know, if you get him with the right pairing, I think he's going to do pretty well. Uh, but you know, if he, if he gets against some of these bombers, I don't, I don't think he'll, he'll do, you know, all that well, maybe in the single, but that's my take on that. Yeah. So, I mean, just let me expand on that just for a second. So, yeah, we have seen Jordan in, in, you know, un-Jordan-like, right, with putting. All of a sudden, you know, he went from being one of the best putters in the world and a guy that was making everything from 25 feet to a guy who's missing stuff inside of two. So do you think it's the lack of confidence? It's all of a sudden now I'm putting too much pressure on my putting because I can't can't hang with these guys otherwise? Is that what it is? That's what I personally think. You know, Chris, I've I've seen him live. I've... You know, saw him at Oakmont and, and, uh, when I was there for, you know, 13 years and, and saw him at the last, uh, you know, open. And I mean, he hits it good. Don't, don't, don't mistake that. I mean, he hits it good, but it's not, it's not Kepka long. It's not Dustin Johnson long. I mean, I don't even think it's Justin Thomas long. I mean, Justin can really bomb it for a little guy. It's not Bubba Watson long. Uh, Ricky hits it hard, you know. Uh, Phil can still dig deep. I mean, Tiger had one of the fastest clubhead speeds on the tour this year. Um, so when you, uh, when you, when you, when you look at that stuff and you're playing against these guys and you measure yourself against your competitors and, and I know we shouldn't, but we all are guilty of it. We look at it, well, what's this guy doing? What's this guy doing? And well, if some guy's hitting at 30, 40 yards by you, well, that really sends a little chill up your spine. And that probably puts mo- the most pressure on the best thing that you do. Like he has putted it, especially two years ago. I mean, put it like no one we've ever saw, and made everything. And now it's like he's like, I gotta make these. And he looks, and I've always said this too. And if you go back on your shows, I've always said this. He always looks a little bit too jumpy to me. He's, you know, for such a great player, mm-hmm. Tiger never, ever, ever looked like that. You know, I mean, goes back to the the 2006 Canadian Open, a first professional win. I mean. Commentators like, oh, it looks like he's laying up. Wait, he's got an iron. Oh, he's going at it. Oh, he hit a six iron, 218 yards over a lake out of a bunker. Now, no one would do that. And he didn't even flinch. He got all that, you know, and hit it. Where you see Jordan is just very jumpy. He's like, always getting a towel. He's always wiping on something off. He's always, okay, how far was it? He just doesn't look like a player that's calm. And, you know, when I think you play against a player that looks very calm, and you see someone that's not, you know, you're like a shark. There's blood in the water. You know it. And I think that's my personal take on that. I'm sure some people have their other opinions, but that's mine. And I, and I really stand by that too. I really feel like he's, he's just, he's just not as confident as we've seen him in the past. Yeah. And I, and I agree a hundred percent with that, Eric. I, I feel yeah. the same yeah. way, especially when you see him like at the open championship uh, last year and, you know, the shot on 13 and stuff like that. Sometimes I think the pressure gets to Jordan a little bit, and then he needs something positive to get himself going. And, uh, and it obviously came through. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I get concerned about him in, uh, in final rounds. Yeah, and, and you know what? Here. And I love, I love him to death, too. I, and I wish him all Same. the best. So please don't misunderstand that either. I just, it's just an observation. Just a couple more before we let you go, Eric. A couple quick ones. Yep. One. We've got your fellow former assistant pro from uh, Oakmont joining me later on the show, Paul Ramey, and uh, wanted to get your uh, your favorite Paul Ramey story. 
<laughs> He's got too many on me. I can't give you my favorite one, Chris. But it has to do with his bachelor party, which was an embarrassment. But I, I will say I, that's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna. I promise I won't say another word because he's got way too many on me. He's a piece of garbage. No, I'm just kidding, Paul. I love him to death. He, uh, we worked as a. He was the first assistant at Oakmont when I was, an, you know, an up and comer, and uh, and uh, beat me up pretty good back there. So you tell him I still have a little scars from the, all the jockey marks that he hit me with. But but uh, you tell him that too. I hope he's. All right, that will. But it's tell them I got to get a quick thought on our Steelers before we let you go. Finally got off the oh. side last night, though it was <laughs> was unimpressive as as always with the defense. What are your thoughts? Well, when we're tied with the Browns, I have serious doubts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, what happened, Le'Veon Bell? I mean, Antonio Brown's acting like a schoolgirl. I, you know, I mean, Ben looks like he can't hold on to it. I. Oh my goodness gracious, Lord help us all. I don't know. Um, I mean, you know, we live and die by the Steelers, and you know, when you're from yes. Pittsburgh, you're a, it's, you know, that you know the deal. You root for the the Pirates and the Pens, and you know, I mean, and and man, I I thought coming into this year we're Super Bowl contenders, and yes. and I really legit thought that. And the way we started, I mean, I I hate to borrow Johnny Miller's thing. I I'd be I think we'd be lucky if we won the Hershey Bar Open right now. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's just crazy. I don't know. I mean, uh, it's it's uh it's a little sad with the the lack of discipline, you know. And I I hate to say it, Chris. I, I almost wonder if we're like a regular season team, you know, where we want to be you know great and win in playoffs, but then you know we just lose in the playoffs, you know, and. And we're a great team, and we've got some great talent. Now you just uh, maybe I'm a little disappointed at some of the discipline, and I I don't I don't know if I blame Tomlin on that, but I, maybe I do a little bit. But I think yeah. with all that talent, we should be just a little bit more, uh, you know. Well, we don't see that with Bill Belichick, right? I mean, at the end that's of the day, right. he's probably the best coach that's ever coached. So. Eric, before we let you go, let our listeners know. Remind them again about your website, ericjohnsongolf.com, which is fantastic. And and if someday we'll ever see you out on social media. Okay, so listen, I got an Instagram thing now. I've got like 119 followers, and I'm all pumped up about that. My assistant Patrick (laughs) Kane's been all over me, like you got to do Instagram. So I'm doing it, Eric Johnson Golf, ericjohnsongolf.com. Check us out on nemacolon.com. It's a phenomenal resort. The Hardy family's built something incredibly special here. And uh, I'm in Golf Magazine this month. Uh, quick tip on, um, you know, square in the face to join alignment. Next next month I'm in there doing uh, bunker shot, high bunker shot. So take a peek. Let me know what you think. And, uh, Chris, I can't thank you enough for having me, buddy. Eric, you're a, you're a special guy, and I appreciate you very much. You've been a, a great friend of the show and a great friend to me, and I can't thank you for all the things that you've done for me. So appreciate your time again tonight. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon. No worries. Hey, by the way, you didn't come up this summer. I'm I'm mad. Where yeah, were you? Yeah, you know what? I should have done it, and uh, my apologies <laughs> will make it happen. All right. All right, buddy. Well, you're on the hook now. All right. Fair enough. You got me. Thanks, buddy. All right. See you, man. Bye-bye. That's Eric Johnson, and they don't come better, folks. EricJohnsonGolf.com, and hopefully we'll get him out there on social media. And looking forward to catching up with him again real soon. I always have so much fun when Eric's a part of the show. He's, he's just one of the great people you get to meet in this life. This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning. Determination is winning. 
a passion is now a thriving business, and it shows no signs of slowing down. How? The power of a conversation, like the one Clint Spiegel had with First Horizon Bank about starting a bike wheel manufacturing facility in Asheville. Now it's not just talk, it's rubber meets road. First Horizon Bank, let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Clint. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC. Support for Extra 106.3 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com. Hey, sandwich lovers. Today's your lucky day. There's a whole new way to roll for lunch or dinner delight with Nucky's Hoagies in the Roswell Corners Shopping Center. Now open. Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell is family owned and operated by the subsisters, Stacy and Shannon, whose love language is food and Nucky's Hoagies, their passion. When you bite into a Nucky's Hoagie, you'll taste the difference. The softest hoagie rolls ever, along with hunger-quenching sandwich combinations. Make Nucky's Hoagies in Roswell on Woodstock Road your new favorite spot for lunch or dinner. 